The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. It is 4.07 on the Central Coast. On this Monday, February 13th, 2023, I'm Dave Congleton. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you'll stick around. Dr. James Armstead at 5.05 will look up in the sky and explain to us what the heck has been going on lately. What's happening up there? Uh, Garth from Atascadero talks about capitalism during the 6 o'clock hour. It is a Dave Congleton show, always your hometown radio talk show. Always good to be in conversation with David Wiseman from the Alliance for Nuclear Responsibility. A lot to cover with David. David, nice to see you. It is great to be back. First time in 2023. Yeah, that's right. Let's remind folks about the Alliance, please. Sure. The Alliance for Nuclear Responsibility is a ratepayer advocacy group, and uh, that is our principal concern is how much does all of this cost us, especially now at a time when people's utility bills seem to be quite going through the roof, so to speak. I've noticed that. And um, and we can talk a little bit about, about some of that money. But yeah, we're uh, an advocacy group, and uh, particularly we've been involved with both the now-closed San Onofre and what we all assumed was the closing Diablo Canyon nuclear power plant, but things seem to have taken a different turn on that one. What's your website, please? www.a4, the number 4, nr.org. All right, uh, so there's so much to talk about. We'll walk in your phone calls here in a little bit. Let's start with the uh, recent news. What happened with the NRC, Nuclear Regulatory Commission, and their so-called rebuking of PG&E? How do you explain that, David? Well, as people may or may not know, the current licenses for the Diablo Canyon nuclear plants expire in 2024 and 2025, respectively. Now, you can renew a license for 20 years with the Federal Nuclear Regulatory Commission. PG&E started that process back in 2009, and then in 2016, when the various groups agreed to close the plant, they told, they told the NRC, okay, we're done with this, take the, um, take the application off the shelves, pull it from the records, it's closed. And the NRC said, great, we will do that, and it is closed. Well... Now that the governor has said he wants to see the plant continuing to run, uh, poses a tricky situation for PG&E because they had told the Nuclear Regulatory Commission to pull it off the shelves and throw it away. So PG&E sent them a letter pleading nicely, listen, we had done a really bang-up job on that up until the point we pulled it away, and gosh, we were almost 90% of the way there, so can we kind of just pick up where we left off? And... uh, we pretty much figure the Nuclear Regulatory Commission will rubber stamp just about anything. There's never been a license renewal not approved in the United States of America. Were we shocked when they wrote a letter back to PG&E saying, no, how dare you ask us to violate our own rules? Um, you know how it works here, and uh, the information that you've included uh, up in your old uh, application is stale and out of date. And it would not be in the interest of either good regulatory principles, I think that's the phrase they use, good regulatory principles, or safety and well-being of the public. So you're going to have to start from scratch, and that includes the right for people to intervene and sue. But that doesn't mean that they're rejecting things 
right? They're, they're just making them follow the process. Now, and that's right. And that leads to question two. PG&E kind of thought this might happen. So in their pretty please letter that they sent, they said, okay, if for some reason you should reject our request to pick up just where we left off, and here's where the part two comes in, the nuclear regulatory policy is if you want to relicense your nuclear plant, you must apply at least five years in advance of the day you're scheduled to close. That leaves a five-year window for them to consider it all, have lawsuits, hearings, file environmental impact statements. If you do file five years in advance and you get to the end of the five years and the application is still hung up or it's in the works, you may continue running until the, app, until the process is either affirmed or denied. Right. But the only way you get that gimme is if you apply five years in advance. Well, Oops. since, since PG&E withdrew their application, told them to shred it, and now they've been told you have to start from scratch, they actually said to the NRC, we think we can file in December of 23. And the first plant closes in what? November of 24. That's yep. 11 months. Yep. So by all rights, based on the rebuke they got and the NRC's principles of good regulation, in theory, they should also say, I'm sorry, no. Because think of that, the precedent that would set for reactors all over the country. But that's in theory. In theory. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission, as I've been told by some former members of that August body, will do Olympic-level contortionist acrobatics and gymnastics to find a way to justify pretty much everything they can do. But if they do, I've already seen it. It went out just today. The Mothers for Peace and the Friends of the Earth have a massive lawsuit already prepared to go. And in fact, they just sent it to the NRC in advance saying, should you choose to violate your own rule and grant an exemption. We're just letting you know what's coming down the pike. So, but at the end of the day, David, how does this play out realistically? It's going to be a matter of politics. It's going to really be a matter of politics at a national level. It is exactly whether or not the Biden administration and the all forms of energy are good. What is it? Everything, everything throw everything on the table. Uh, because that's what will tell the commissioners at the Nuclear Regulatory Commission what to do and where their marching orders will come from. What it does mean is this, though. There will be the lawsuits. The fact that suits can be filed now will delay the process. Uh, we can say this. If the NRC should do the right thing and reject PG&E's second request for an exemption, then the project pretty much falls apart because it means when that day comes in 2024, they have to shut down. They can still file. It's going to take years. Can they allow those plans to sit idle for those years and wait? Doesn't make sense economically. And what about Governor Newsom? Because he's made it pretty clear that he wants the plants to keep running. Well, the question is how strong are his friendships in Washington that will make that happen? Yeah. Um, part of it is this. I also met with staff people for the legislature, and I said, look, every report you've issued so far draws this perilous picture of California's energy future where we have all these shortfalls on the graphs. And they all, that's why you justify saying, you see, we need Diablo. Do you have a set of graphs you could show me what happens if, as we didn't expect to happen, the federal government should take it away from you? And now, every chart you've made has shown me exactly why we're in peril without it, but they don't get that license. What is your, what is your plan B? Nobody had a plan B. Nobody has a plan B. They don't know, because the governor wants this to run, and it's going to run, gosh darn it, and... They don't have a plan B. And I explained to them, isn't this exactly what the San Onofre reactor situation is? One day it's fine. The next day it springs a leak. And a year later it's shut down. And what is the situation in San Onofre? Currently, the plant is being um, demolished. They've got buildings that have been torn down. I mean, they got to work on it. And um, the power building has come down. The turbines have been removed. 
uh, they're cutting it up, shipping it away. Uh, what we are involved with in San Onofre issue, and it could become an issue with Diablo someday. So they in San Onofre, instead of putting the spent nuclear fuel in those large cans up on a hill, they dug holes in the ground, sort of like a, an auger fence post, and they dropped the canisters into the ground. Well, about two years ago, oops, they didn't pay attention, and while they were trying to lower the canister in, it kind of went in at an angle, and it wedged and got stuck, and it got caught on a little quarter-inch-like lip of metal where they didn't realize they had released the saddle that holds it, so all the weight was lit on the ledge of this one thing, and it could have fallen in. And uh, they got fined and uh, caught by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. What we're, what we're suing them for is the $40 million in delays that that cost – they'd like the ratepayers to pay for. Mm, surprise, surprise. All right, David Wiseman is here for the hour. He's with Alliance for Nuclear Responsibility. When we come back, David is going to talk about the upcoming meeting of the Diablo Canyon Independent Safety Commission meeting. It's coming to town. It's going to be right here. What's it all about? We'll find out. I'm Dave Congleton. You're listening to KVEC. Landed on the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. My guest for the hour continues to be David Wiseman from the Alliance for Nuclear Responsibility. We're talking about Diablo Canyon and all things nuclear, including this uh, February 15th and 16th, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, the Diablo Canyon Independent Safety Commission is coming to town. David, let's start by reminding folks about the commission. Who are they? The Diablo Canyon Independent Safety Committee is uh, three... Uh, scientists, members who were appointed by the California Attorney General, the Governor, and the Chairman of the California Energy Commission. Now, they are the product, actually, of our Alliance founder, Rochelle Becker's work. Back in the early 80s, it was decided that Diablo Canyon would be placed in um, cost-of-service rate-making that, in other words, they get paid when they generate electricity. There's no fixed fee. They get paid when they generate. And so right. the, the concern they raised was, well, wait a minute. What if there's a problem, but to make a profit, they just keep running anyway without addressing the problem? And so a settlement agreement was reached, and, and Rochelle Becker was on that, on that case. And they said, oh, I'll tell you what, to make your minds at ease, we'll appoint the safety committee, first of its kind in the entire United States, to watch over them to make sure they don't run over things that they should be fixing just because they don't, they don't want to spend the money. Now, the committee has been the same three individuals for an average of 17 years now. Hmm. There's not been a lot of change of fresh blood on the committee. Um, and one of our concerns is, and I think we'll raise it at this meeting, because we sent them a letter alerting them to that. Just after the NRC issued their refusal to accept PG&E's request for that exemption, they issued two safety reports, which were stunningly damning. Um, multiple problems with uh, just a few examples. Um, quote from the report, there is a need for continued station focus and attention in some areas to ensure the safety's, the station's safety-conscious work environment does not degrade. Uh, the licensee is inappropriately excluding some issues from the corrective action programs because station personnel are inadequately evaluating them. A lot of small things that add up that indicate 
yeah, perhaps things have been slacking off because they were going to close. And our question is, the Diablo Safety Committee conducts fact-finding visits. Every few months, they are on the site making notes, and then they give a report where they always find a glowing report for what PG&E has done. Well, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission is not finding such a glowing report. They have twenty over 20 pages of those things that are wrong. And our question is, if the Safety Committee is visiting the plant every couple of months, spending a few days there, walking down the hallways, walking through the buildings, taking notes... How come they're failing to find these problems first? Because they're the eyes and ears of the state government. When it comes to the bill to relicense Diablo Canyon, is it measure up what has to be done? The governor has placed these three guys in charge of creating that report. So I answer the question, how come they're not discovering it? Well, we will let them defend themselves at the meetings on Wednesday and Thursday of this week. And that is our question to them. Like I said, we've laid out all these various examples, sent it to them well in advance. So let the public come down and hear their explanation. All right. So where and when are the meetings? Yeah, the meetings are uh, Wednesday and Thursday at the Lighthouse Suites in Avila. Uh, There's a sort of a a little conference room there off to the side of the building. And um, they start at 9 o'clock in the morning. And they usually take a lunch break around 12 to 1 or 12.30 to one thirty, and then on Wednesday night, they come back in the evening at 5 o'clock. Their agenda and all the information can be found on their easy website, dcisc.org. Repeat that, please. dcisc.org. Um, you can figure out the parking. Yeah. I wouldn't try to park at the light. I'd just go no, to no, there's there's a lot. that big public pay lot the, right pay there. Pay at the public lot. Yeah, it's much yeah. easier. Now, is the public going to have a chance to comment? Lots of chances. They, they Before each of their sessions, there's a morning session, there's a mid-morning session, there's the after-lunch session, there's the afternoon session, There's and every, and, and every one of those invites the public before the general agenda to comment on items not on the agenda. And what are you hoping the public will say at these sessions, David? You know, I... I uh, as myself, I, I sort of never go planning to say anything. My goal is to listen and then respond. And I would think that's what the public should do is they'll come, they'll make a presentation. They will justify their actions. I sit there and take notes and I'm like, excuse me, am I hearing a contradiction here? I allow the content to dictate my questions and my and my comments. Uh, and of course, PG&E is also invited because they will be asking questions of PG&E. And so I think the agenda, again, if you go to the website, their website, and download it, you might find specific topics like the decommissioning or the continued operation or the safety reports, and it gives you the approximate times, and you can show up. Also, it's going to be broadcast over AGP video. So you don't even have to drive down there in person to watch it. And they give the link right at their website. Hmm. So at at the conclusion of the meeting, which I guess would be on Thursday, what are you hoping will happen? I'm trying to frame for our listeners what's at stake here. Um, how seriously and how competent and how capable is this safety committee going to be? It's, I cannot stress it's important that in the bill, the legislation that is designed to keep Diablo running, they have been made this state's eyes and ears. This is the most responsibility this committee has had in a history that goes back, what, three decades. And, um, you know, after 17 years, one wonders their inability to find these problems. Is there a complacency settling in? Is there a complacency or... On the part of the committee they, and a comfortableness they, with PG&E? That, that's, that's, that's where I was going. Is there a comfortableness? Well, and you know what they say about good journalism. We have to afflict the comfortable, right? And so folks want to come and start asking those questions. Maybe this is the meeting to do that. 
Mm. I mean, the, their reports are typically fawning over Pacific Gas and Electric, but these things are persisting at a time when another great thing the public could hear is this is the meeting where they're supposed to lay out the table and the chart. How much needs to be repaired? How much needs to be replaced? What maintenance items have been allowed to go slack? This is the meeting where they're supposed to reveal all this important information that our state agencies are going to be using to make significant decisions like, is it cost effective? But listening to you, David, it sounds like historically they have not really pointed out such flaws. No, they haven't. And so this is a time when we're definitely going to be um, I'll come in with a giant Sherlock Holmes magnifying glass for this meeting. I don't know if I'll have the deer stalker cap, but well, then how, how do you have how how are you aware of the flaws? Is it from reading reports? That's correct. Okay. We we, um, we get the reports from the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, lengthy though they are, and read into them. Um, Line by line. In fact, what I will do when I return home this evening from this broadcast is I will go to Alliance website. Once again, that's A4, the number 4NR.org, and I will create a, uh, a posting. Just I will post all these Nuclear Re- Regulatory Commission reports, and um, the public can go and find them at our website. Because if you've ever tried to use the NRC's website, it's chaos. How easy is it for the lay person to digest all this. I mean, you're a smart guy. I appreciate the, the thought. on um, It is difficult. This yeah. uh, Just keeping track of the processes needed to keep Diablo Canyon open, should they choose to do so, requires more wall space in my office than I have room for dry erase boards. That's how many different processes and how many different agencies need to be tracked. There are flow charts going left and right. He's not making this up. He's got flow charts. You know, and, his whole side of the table is covered with documents. Uh, you know, just to, to give to give an example, uh, and I know we could talk about like just talk about the money. I got thirty seconds. Oh well, we'll talk about that when we get back. Um, but then, in that case, just sum it up. Say, yeah, this Diablo Safety Committee meeting is going to be one of the juiciest ones they've ever had because it's it's on there. It's the burdens on them now to say what needs repairing, what needs fixing, what has to be done, what makes it possible to keep Diablo running. I would imagine like Mothers for Peace would be there in force, and they will. They often are. All right. Let us do this. Let us go to California Headline News and ABC Radio News. Find out what's happening out there. Craig will update us with Time Saver Traffic and Weather. Together, we will continue our conversation with David Wiseman from the Alliance for Nuclear Responsibility. We will talk about the money involved in all this, and we'll welcome your phone calls and read your text messages. You're listening to Hometown Radio for the Central Coast. It is the Dave Congleton Show. Happy Monday. Stick around. Dr. Armstead will join us during the 5 o'clock hour. Let's try to figure out what's been going up in the sky lately. And remember, tomorrow we've got free tickets to see Chicago at Vina Robles on August 25th. It is a Dave Congleton show, always your hometown radio talk show. We continue our conversation with David Wiseman, Alliance for Nuclear Responsibility, on the Stolberg-Tatum text line. It would be impossible for a committee of three to know what is going on at the power plant. It's essential for the workers at the plant to know that there will be no negative repercussions for reporting any issues 
with the plant to them. David, respond, please. Well, that's, that's true. And what the NRC found is that the workers themselves... Well, here, here you go. Um, what the NRC found in their report is, quote, similarly, every work group the inspectors interviewed noted that resources are challenged at the station and are causing things to be rushed, employees to feel excessive stress, and some individuals to believe that resource issues will not be fixed. Finally, the inspectors noted that the number of anonymous notifications is worth monitoring. Um, This could be indicative of some individuals lacking trust in others within the organization. So yes, exactly. And what... If, if, the NRC is, if the NRC is finding that the workers are feeling cowed into not reporting the true incidents, again, the Committee of Three has passed, gone on visits. They say they interview the workers. They say they talk to them. How are they not coming to the same conclusions as the Nuclear Regulatory Commission? But let me ask you this. Um, you've been on this show. You've been in the press. Everybody knows you and knows Rochelle. Uh, how many Diablo Canyon workers have contacted you privately saying, you won't believe what's going on here. It's a big cover-up. Not many, because the alliance has very much avowedly said we we don't really involve ourselves in whistleblower cases. I'm but somebody's often, had to call you. Yes, we've we've had a few calls, and I refer them to the Mothers for Peace, who right. actively do pursue those things. All right. Uh, number two on the Stolberg Tatum text line. Let's remember the state asked Diablo to stay open because of the very real need in the near future. Isn't PG&E just doing what the state has asked them to do? What PG&E is doing what the state asked them to do. The question is, what information did the state have in front of it when they decided that this was going to be the very real need for the future? And the reason I say that is because when the legislation was finally passed, what you see is the study to determine whether there's a need for a Diablo Canyon extension isn't due until the middle of March. The study on how much needs to be done at Diablo to be repaired, fixed, or maintained isn't due until July. And then putting all that data together and coming up with an actual cost-benefit analysis to tell whether the plant really is worth keeping isn't due until October. And so, yeah, that would be great to know. It would have been really nice if the legislators had had that information before the governor kind of pushed them against a wall to all approve this. Uh, Now, they didn't all vote yes, and I did meet in Sacramento with people who voted no on this bill, and it turns out... Their concerns are actually well-founded because the devil is, of course, in these details. So why did PG&E do this? Did the state need the energy? No, they did this because the federal government was waiving billions of dollars in subsidies for nuclear power plants out there in the wind. As you explain that, let me just remind people, David Wiseman is here. If you want in on the conversation, we welcome your calls, 805-543-8830. Or eight hundred five four nine five eight three two. Are you suggesting, David, that money is involved in all this? You know, I mean, I think that. Uh, well, I've said this before. PG&E as is a voracious corporate corporate predator, and the, the the thought that billions of dollars is like tossing blood in the water to them. Um, so when the Biden administration infrastructure plan puts out billions for struggling nuclear power plants, they want to get in line, and the governor says, "Good idea," and. What happened this past summer was, to sum it up, there was money available from Washington, supposedly $1.4 billion, and so the state decided to say, okay, 
We will loan PG&E $1.4 billion. This will make them needy, so they deserve the government's money, because profitable companies don't get the free money from the government. So they will owe us the money, and then when the money comes in from the federal government, it will simply repay the pocket from which we've just given them $1.4 billion taxpayer dollars. But it begins falling apart immediately after that, because we filed a... Uh, Public Records Act to actually get the contract. All right, let's talk to Bob and Aurora Grande on KVEC. Hi, Bob. Hello, Dave. How are you today? We're good, Bob. What's up? Well, uh, two things. First of all, I'm a retired reactor operator from Diablo Canyon. Spent okay. 30 years out there. All right. Second of all, I in no way, shape, or form represent Diablo Canyon, PG&E, any employees group, nothing. This is just strictly me, my personal opinion. Fair okay? enough. Fair enough. Okay. So, uh, first of all, when you say that uh, we don't need Diablo Canyon, uh, you're wrong. Because without Diablo Canyon, we're going to have rolling blackouts. We're going to have increased um, power rates. And we're also going to have uh, a lot more pollution because the current replacements for Diablo Canyon for the peak hours and nighttime hours, things like that, are uh, gas and oil-fired plants. That's all there is to it. You don't have solar and wind 24 hours a day, seven days a week for a steady base load, and that's just the laws of nature. Hang on, Bob. What do you say to that, David? Well, and, and the assumption that, again, I didn't say we don't need Diablo. What I said is the studies to determine that, that the state is now asking for, have yet to be completed. That they went ahead and loaned or gave PG&E the money first before they had all these studies that they are now commissioning in front of them. And then if, as Bob says, we need Diablo, my question to Bob would be, okay, and what if the Nuclear Regulatory Commission actually says no to their relicensing bid? Well, then what? Bob? Well, see, that's the problem. When you said earlier that there is no plan B, you're missing the point. Keeping Diablo Canyon open is the plan B. Because if you remember correctly, all the pie in the sky people said that by the time those plants were ready to shut down, we would have all this replacement green power online and we wouldn't need them. Well, that didn't happen and it's not going to happen. So, therefore, keeping Diablo Canyon open is Plan B. Great. And if the Nuclear Regulatory Commission says no to the relicense, as they've already said to the first request? Then the rates go up, we pollute more, and people are very upset. Because that's what the reality is. There's no place else to get the power from. Unless you can get everybody to shut everything off for several hours every single day that's going to be your reality if we have a if we have another summer where we have triple digit days not only in the valley but on the coast we're going to be in serious trouble yeah all right bob thank you very much for calling in appreciate the perspective anything else you'd say to bob well the the state knew diablo was going to close in 2016 why did it take the public utilities commission until 2021 to finally come up with a plan to replace that energy. And these are all the governor's appointees. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. In conversation with David Wiseman from the Alliance for Nuclear Responsibility. And you were just about to explain the money. Your hand, the money. 
Well, and, and so when, when we say PG&E got $1.4 billion, what they got was a forgivable loan at 0% interest. Who gets that these days to pursue relicensing of Diablo Canyon? And then when they finally applied to Washington, they only asked for $1.2 billion. So already, wait, wait, this doesn't make sense. We loaned you $1.4, and two weeks later, you apply for $1.2. So the state's already down $200 million. And then the federal government says, congratulations, we'll give you $1.1 billion. So now the state's already down $300 million on this money to PG&E. Now you say, what's $300 million? Well, maybe it's that $268 million kindergarten for all program that the governor vetoed from the budget. All right. Uh, we have Garth on KVEC. Hey, Garth. Hey, David. Hi, Tim. Hey, Garth. This Thanks is for being on. This is David. Thanks for being on, Tim. This is, this is David. We're both David. Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. David okay. Wiseman. Thanks for being yeah. on, David. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, yeah I, this is obviously a very, very, probably one of the most important issues um, for this county and, and this state. Um, you know, I believe for a long time that this power plant should be closed down. It's a very dangerous plant with a, um, contrary to what we hear, has a very bad um, safety record throughout the years, um, just basically starting from the beginning. Um, also, it's unneeded. It's unnecessary. Um, only 8% of our, our power is coming from Diablo Canyon. And um, it's, we've already, the state has already run on renewables, um, completely renewables, without the help of Diablo Canyon. That happened last year. Um, so it's obviously just a money grab. It, it's to line the pockets of Wall Street uh, investors. And the, the plan needs to be closed down. David. Well, thank you for that. I um, what I will say is that the Wall well, I don't know about the Wall Street investors, but certainly the PG&E Corporation, as I as I've just said, they get this money, which is forgivable. In other words, they got 1.4 billion dollars, and if the whole plan falls apart, it's forgivable. The state can just let them have kept it. Um, now we thought, well, okay, let's find out what have they been spending it on because they got 600 million dollars upon signing the loan. So we said, well, gosh, you got the first 600 million dollars. What did you spend it on? So we filed a Freedom of uh, or a uh, Public Records Act with the Department of Water Resources, who generates the contract. And I, I showed Dave Congleton here. They sent me a spreadsheet of the expenses. It's all redacted. Yes. The entire spreadsheet's <laughs> redacted. All the costs that they have. Uh, licensing fees, consultants, technical updates. Can all... they redact like that? Can they do that? Apparently they can. The only number that's not redacted... At the bottom of each column for each month is the $10,500,000 PG&E gets as a performance fee to manage this ongoing process. That they don't have to give back, and they can collect $300 million for that. So, yeah, this is a happy time for PG&E. Remember, a twice-bankrupt company in as many decades. Um, so, as I said, they, they, uh, they, we give them $1.4 billion. At most, we get $1.1 billion back from the federal government. And what we've told the legislators is this. You gave them $600 million. The contract says if the legislature doesn't give them the remaining $800 million by September 30th, then all the money that comes from Washington, instead of going to start repaying the loan, goes directly to PG&E. What else, Garth? Yeah, and I think something, something we also have to mention that doesn't get mentioned enough is um, PG&E is a convicted felon. So um, that's another thing to be taken into account. Um, I don't know legally what that, how that has bearing on when, when someone's going to renew their business, but I would think being a convicted felon would, would um, you know, should have some bearing on that. 
You and, are you are um, correct, Ken. PG&E is the only operator of a nuclear plant in the entire United States that is a convicted corporate felon. Right. So very troubling on so many levels. Thanks. All right, Gary. Thanks for checking in. We'll come back for a final segment with David Wiseman. I'm Dave Congleton. This is Hometown Radio. Happy Monday. Top of the House ABC Radio News, and Dr. Armstead will join us. Uh, tomorrow we have Dr. Martin Marinek from the Lawrence Livermore Laboratory, part of the team that had the big uh, nuclear fusion breakthrough last year, considered to be the most important invention of the 21st century. He'll talk about how they did it and what it all means. Dr. Larry Martinez on Wednesday. We are busy. Also, free tickets to see Chicago at Vina Robles in August. Uh, we are back in our final segment, David Wiseman, for the Alliance for Nuclear Responsibility. If you want in on this conversation, we need to hear from you now, please. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. As David previews the big Diablo Canyon uh, Independent Safety Committee hearings taking place Wednesday and Thursday in Avila. Again, uh, David, what's the website to find out more information about all this? For the Diablo Safety Committee meetings, go to dcisc.org, and they'll also have a webcast and links to see it on AGP video. Mark is in San Luis on KVEC. Hi, Mark. Yeah. Hi, gentlemen. If I understood correctly, Diablo wanted to close the plant down, and they were on the process of doing that, and then the... uh, It sounded like Newsom approached him, because they realized we have a shortfall of energy, and then they started to restart the the uh, plant back up. C- could you answer that for me? I'm just curious. Well, it's not that they had to restart the plant back up. The plant didn't stop running, except, of course, between 2020 and 2021, when they botched the repair of the um, Unit 2 main generator, and it was down for seven months. But it's the process of applying for a permit to continue running that they had let lapse and that now has to be started up again. Right, but their intention was to close it anyway, but they were approached to reopen it. And, and the reason I say that is because to, to close that, they had to spend hundreds of millions of dollars in retention bonuses to keep key personnel. And now that the fact they're going to close it again, and then if they back open it, it, it may cost them, uh, which you, the public hasn't been told about, it may cost them hundreds of millions of dollars more because you have to further retain the employees uh, for an extended five-year period. Anyway, just a point of uh, order there. No, you are correct, and let let me help explain a little of that. So, yes, in the agreement to close the plant to compensate the workers, anyone who stayed was given a retention bonus of 25% on top of their salary. At that time, the average annual salary for Diablo was $157,000 a year. So they got the 25% bonus. Then you raise a point. Well, if you're still going to have your jobs... What becomes of the bonus? And the answer is the 25% rate is now baked into all pay scales going forward for any extended relicensed operation. So it's who will be paying for it is the rate payers. Right. And what I'm saying is now now that they go back into a closing mode, the employees are back on the move again, potentially looking because they were going to be extended for five years further than what, what the original retention bonus covered. Right. So we may the PGD may end up 
spending another round of retention no. bonuses. P- PG&E won't be spending the money. Again, to be clear, it is your ratepayer dollars. PG&E isn't paying no, for any of this. I, yeah. I understand that. I, I, yeah. I blame PG&E and the government uh, for the half-baked energy policies that we have. But anyway, I think right. it's been an interesting show. Thank, Thank you. you, Mark. Thanks for being part of it. I want to make sure we have enough time. What about what happened in Turkey and Syria and implication for concern with Diablo? Yes. Uh, you know, when people discuss seismicity at Diablo Canyon, very often the quick answer is, well, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission has said it is seismically safe. We have had years of scientific studies that show it's seismically safe. But you have to remember the Nuclear Regulatory Commission whose seal of approval they depend on for this, is looking at a very narrow set. They're looking at, can the reactor shut down safely in a massive earthquake and avoid a loss of coolant accident or a meltdown? The Nuclear Regulatory Commission isn't looking at much of that facility beyond that main building. And what the Turkey quake brings up is there are lots of other buildings that Diablo needs, the large administration building, the other outbuildings, that are not built to the same codes and standards. And what we discover in Turkey according to a a Los Angeles seismologist who's on the Seismic Safety Commission, is that the weakest buildings were what were called non-ductile concrete buildings. That's an engineering term, but it's those dingbat apartments that you used to see in Los Angeles. Well, it turns out that Diablo Canyon's entire, what, six, seven-story administration building that's often touted as the largest office building in San Luis is a non-ductile building with a soft first story. So the nuclear reactor may survive the earthquake fine, but say the 400 people working in the administration building, perhaps not so lucky. Don's in Los Osos. Hi, Don. Hey there. Hi. I certainly respect the passion and pg and hatred. Uh, you're not my favorite place in Texas. I get juice for 10 cent, 11 cents, not 42. But I'm so sorry. I, do, I just dispute some of these numbers and, and claims. Uh, that thing is safe. We need it. It's not 8% of our uh, energy during the night. It's as much as 50. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, I've, I've lived without power 31 hours recently in the uh, Los Osos tract where I live. Got solar on both my roofs. We're all trying to do good stuff, but please, gee, it's kind of over top, you know, the, the, the misstatements. I'm sorry. All right, Don. Thanks for checking in. I'm not hearing hatred towards PG&E. You no, don't trust, I'm, I'm, you don't trust I'm, I'm a rate payer advocate. We pay. How much are people paying for their electric bills? Who hasn't seen things double and triple? And here's a corporation continuing to take money, getting zero interest loans while you're paying twenty something percent on your own credit cards. Yeah. There, it really is. And and yes, it is eight percent of the energy. And and no, it's less at night. In fact, that's exactly the problem with Diablo. At night, when we don't need it, it still has to run at a hundred percent capacity. You see, that's 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 the problem. You can't slow it down when you don't need it and speed it up when you need more of it. All right. I want to make sure we have time to remind folks of the meeting on Wednesday and Thursday. Sure. The Diablo Safety Committee meets in the Avila Lighthouse Suites Wednesday and Thursday starting at 9 each morning. Uh, The website dcisc.org has their agenda for the Alliance and to find the documents which I have been presenting to Dave. So if anyone disputes them, these are from the Energy Commission. These are from the Public Utilities Commission. And these are from the Department of Water Resources. All our documents come from the state agencies that are charged with this. You can find them at our website. And the alliance is at A4, the number 4, N-R dot O-R-G. On the Stolberg-Tatum text line, is the reactor Diablo same that went critical in Japan years ago? I assume they're talking about Fukushima. No, it is not the same kind of a reactor as Fukushima. Very different um, type of reactor. All right, David, you got about a minute for a final thought. What do you want people to think about? Uh, 
really, this this is an enormous grift by PG&E. Uh, and, and the point is, as I mentioned earlier, they want another $800 million from this loan, and they want it by September 30th or else. They're going to take all the money that comes from the government. Well, guess what else is also due on September 30th? Yeah, that study from the state that's supposed to tell them, is Diablo Canyon cost-effective to continue to operate? So you see what happens? By 5 o'clock that day, they want the $800 million, but that night you can go home and read the report as to whether it was worth spending it. There's a lot of cart being put before some horses here, and it's all our taxpayer money. Where is State Senator John Laird, our state senator, in all this? Uh, you know, what he had said back when the bill was signed into law, his words were, uh, quote, the $1.4 billion loan expenditure will be matched with a $1.4 billion in federal revenue, which limits requirements of ratepayer or taxpayer money. By January of 2023, that eligibility will be established and thus will allow for a status check at this time on that issue. Well, it's time. It's January of 23, so let's have that status check on the issue, Mr. Laird. All right. Uh, thank you, David. Uh, appreciate your time. Off thank we you. go. We got news and traffic and weather. We'll spend the 5 o'clock hour with Professor Armstead. What has been happening in the sky lately? Hopefully he's got the answers. This is Hometown Radio. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kbec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.